Welcome to the 517 Life Podcast, a ministry of The Exchange. I'm Carrie Puckett, joined by co-hosts Heather May and Virginia Bowles. We are so thankful for the opportunity to bring you season three of the podcast. This season will highlight stories of women just like you who have surrendered their lives to Jesus and are seeking to follow Him daily. To kick off this season, we share with you our interview with Kim Nelson. Kim is a wife and mother of three who finds her identity as a daughter of the Most High God. Join our conversation as she shares how God has taught her to worship through her mundane tasks and what it means to truly live life knowing that you are loved by Jesus. I believe Kim's sweet spirit can stir us to think about how we are being romanced by Jesus as we pursue a relationship with Him. Here's our conversation with Kim Nelson. We are so excited today to welcome Kim Nelson to the podcast. Kim is, I believe, our very first listener recommendation of someone that we should uh, interview. We had Carrie Wasilak on the podcast uh, a little while back, and when we uh, posted out on social media, who do you know that has a story to share that we could have on the pod? Carrie Wasselak said, you should have Kim Nelson. So we're so excited that Kim is here today. Um, and I, I started to just talk about your family because I know your husband through some things at our church, but I'll let you do that. So Kim, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Well, thanks. Um, I'm married to Jared Nelson and we have three kids. Um, our oldest is nine and then we have a um, six year old and a five year old. Your husband, Jared, has come here to the Exchange Church to, to do some financial um, workshop. And so I, I had seen him on stage here, and, and I had never met you. So I'm so glad that we get to see the other half of the couple. My husband and I have met with Jared several times. He gives great financial advice, and I love um, just having him as a resource because a lot of times we don't know what we're doing. And he has just helped us um, just figure that out and figure out how we can best be wise and good stewards of the money that God's given us. And so really grateful for him. But he's always talked about Kim. Carrie's always talked about you. And then we discovered that we have some mutual friends that I've heard about you through. So I'm so excited too, to just to get to hear your story today and hear the things that you're passionate about. The truth is, is we're made to worship and we're made to be in a romance with God. Mm. And um, there is this lie that um, is going around in a lot of churches. And it is that um, to be spiritual is to be busy and to be spiritual hmm. is to have all these duties and to be spiritual is, is just all of these other things. And really to be spiritual is to be in a romance with God and to have that personal intimate relationship with God. And that's really our gift to other people. Cause you see, I don't have anything to give you. I don't have anything to, to really give anybody. What I have to give is when I'm with the father and when I'm with Jesus and I'm in that secret place and that quiet place with him. And then he downloads into me his love and his joy and his peace and all of those things, mm -hmm. then I'm able to give all of those things away. But in and of myself, you know, I don't have, I don't have anything to give. Um, but I do have lots to give when I'm with him and when I'm, uh, sitting in his presence and just sitting at his feet. And I just believe that's what we're made to do as women. We're made to worship. And so many women battle condemnation. They battle depression. They battle anxiety. They battle all these things. And Jesus has set me free from every single one of those. And so when I'm sitting with somebody, whether we're having coffee or whether we're having lunch or just visiting, because he's freed me of those things, I can see them more easily in people. And so I just want to set everybody free, whether, you know, man or women, I just want to set them free from those things. And a lot of people deal with, with condemnation. And if we look back in the Bible, um, of different women that that Jesus um, that were with Jesus in the Bible, we think about like Mary of Bethany. You know, she came and she anointed Jesus's feet with oil. Right? Mm. She took a year's worth of wages, a whole jar of perfume, and just poured it at his feet and worshipped him. She didn't care. She was probably the only woman in the room, and she didn't care. She sat at his feet. She kissed his feet. She anointed his feet. She, she took her hair, which for women, for women, our hair is kind of like our identity. You know, I mean, if we have a bad hair day, it's a bad day, right? <laughs> you know, if we get a bad haircut or a bad hair dye or whatever, it affects us. And 
she took everything that was personal to her and she just poured it out at his feet and she worshiped him Mm -hmm. and she let her tears wash his feet and she took her hair and washed his feet and she poured out that perfume on him and the aroma of it, the aroma of her worship spread throughout the whole room. Everybody was affected by her worship and Jesus was so Um, affected by it that he said every time the gospel is shared I want this story of this woman's testimony of what she did to be proclaimed every time the gospel is shared and so for any woman that is you know dealing with condemnation or just battling those inner voices you know I just want you to go back and think of all the women in the Bible that Jesus used Mm -hmm. they weren't perfect right they weren't mm-hmm. but he still used them if if they allowed him to use them then he used them and he showed everybody in that room through her what extravagant worship looks like what worship with abandonment looks like through mary so glad that you shared this today because i feel like just our women um, in general, in our community, in our church, but just in general, women, they do deal with condemnation. They deal with burnout, too. You're talking about not being able to give anything except what God has given you through his love, peace, joy, all of that. Um, So what what I'm hearing you say is that you have experienced dealing with that condemnation, that maybe anxiety, depression. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about your story and that experience that you had. Sure. Yes. So I come from um, kind of a broken home. My parents were divorced when I was two. And so just all of the insecurities and all of the things that come with that. And Jesus has just totally set me free from all of that. And uh, just those feelings of I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. There's something wrong with me. I'm lacking just all of those things that we can think in our head. Um, Jesus has just set me free from all of that. And I want every single person that I come in contact with to have that same freedom and to know how much he loves them and doesn't want them to, to deal with those things anymore. So what was that process like? How did he set you free from those things? It was a process for me, definitely was. And um, me getting to know him, me getting to know how much he loves me, me um, just opening my heart and trusting him took time, um, took time for me to just let down all those barriers that we can put up to kind of self-protect us. And um, it, it did. It took time. He used a lot of other people, too. Um, we had a women to women ministry at our church where they would match you up with another lady. And even though she was my same age, spiritually, she was so much older than me. Mm-hmm. And we sat and we talked and we would pray together and we would read the Bible together. And what the Lord showed me through that is when she prayed, she knew who she was talking to and he answered her. And I got to see answered prayer in her life. I got to see answered prayer in my life. And it just changed me and it made me want to know him more. See, that's the thing. It's like when we're on on fire for the Lord, when we're in a love romance with him, It draws other people and they want what we have and they see she has something that I want and it and it makes other people want to have that relationship with him, too. So I feel like he he put people in my life that helped draw out in me and helped awaken me to um, to him. That process that you went through, um, it really sounds like getting to know God was you, um, a, f- a few things, you getting to know him, I would assume would be by maybe entering into um, you know, his presence, maybe by reading the Bible. Would you say that was yes, maybe part definitely. of it? Okay. So um, a lot of searching and getting to know him through reading the Bible. And then it sounds like um, community, the people around you mm-hmm. um, that he placed in your life. And um, they were able to lead you into knowing him more, which I think is a beautiful thing. We always, always, always talk about community and how important it is to do life together with other believers. And it, you don't have to be on the same path. You don't have to be at the same spiritual uh, maturity. Like you said, your friend was um, years ahead of you spiritually, but she was able to um, just live her life with you and um, help you come to know the Lord more. And what I loved what you said was that it made you want to know him more. Uh, I think it's good to even just ask yourself, you know, do the people that I'm surrounding myself with 
Yeah. Push me to want to know the Lord better. Yeah. Do they push me to want to desire him more? Or are they actually pulling me further away from mm-hmm. that purpose that he created me for? Because I feel like that's a good measuring stick to, to know, like, are these true friends that I need to be mm-hmm. constantly surrounding myself with? Or do, do I need to f- look for some friends who are pursuing the Lord? You yeah. know, do I not have that yet? Because that makes such a difference. And I just heard recently that you are the average of the five people that you surround yourself mm. with, which I just think is interesting just as a leadership principle. But I definitely can see how who you surround yourself with definitely impacts the way that you live your life. Yeah. And I think just living with an awareness, you know, just always asking the Holy Spirit, you know, am I supposed to be pouring into this person or am I supposed to let this this person pour into me hmm. from you? You know, because there's always going to be people around us that we're going to be pouring into, too, you know, and just realizing that, um, you know, we just got to ask him. We got to ask him about everything. And mm-hmm. that's something that I had to learn to do. You know, wake up in the morning with simple things like, Lord, do you want me to wear this today? You know, Lord, do you want me to, what do you want me to cook for dinner? Lord, what, you know, how, how can I teach the kids about you today? Because I don't know, (laughs) you know, I don't know. And, and what I'm finding is that he gives me these wonderful ideas, just like he in creation, he's so creative Mm -hmm. and he gives me these great ideas that I would have never thought of, you know, and that's the thing is he's always talking to us. He's always talking to us, but we're not always listening. Mm -hmm. Some people might say, why do I want to bother the Lord with silly little questions? Like, what do I cook for dinner? What do I wear? Where should I park? You know, just this. Why is it important to you to ask the Lord those questions? Well, because he's my best friend. (laughs) Because he's my best friend, but he cares. He cares in the midst of everything. He's teaching me that, Kim, whether you're doing the laundry, you can be worshiping me. He's teaching me what worship is. And what worship is, is my heart's affection towards him, no matter what I'm doing. I could be doing the laundry and I could be dancing through my house with that laundry basket, worshiping (laughs) him. I could be um, loving on my kids. That's worship to the father. I could be loving on my husband. That's worship to the father. Everything that I do, if I do it with the right heart attitude, if I do it with, Lord, I'm going to pour your love out. It's worship. And you can't have a romance relationship with someone that you're not talking to, right? So that is part of that relationship. And you spoke of earlier that that relationship with the Lord, we're talking to him throughout our day. And I do think that probably a lot of women may think he doesn't care. Mm -hmm. Because I heard you say he cares. Mm -hmm. He cares about those details of our life. And I think Mm -hmm. maybe women sometimes feel like he doesn't care about me. I don't even know if he really notices me. Hmm. What would you say to, to a woman who's hmm. like, I really don't think that he cares? Yes. Well, I would highly recommend reading Song of Solomon. Um, it's amazing, especially in the tra- Passion Translation. But um, also in Ho- Hosea, um, in verse hmm. 216, he says he's our husband. <laughs> that's his words. That's not my words. That's his words. He says he's our husband. Um, also in Hosea two nineteen, he says, I will betroth you to me and I will betroth you in righteousness and justice and loving kindness and compassion. We were made to be loved by him. That's why he made us. He made us to worship him. Um, he made us to feel his presence. He made us to be known by him. Jesus is our forever dance partner. Like forever dance partner Um, in Song of Solomon, it says that this is him talking. He says, you have made my heart beat faster. My sister, my bride, you have made my heart beat faster with every single glance of your eyes. He only made one of you. That's really sweet. You he only made one of you. You have a fingerprint that is your own. You are special and unique. You are created beautiful beautiful by him and for him and for him right so it's not he didn't make you a certain way so you could go and be that for someone else but so that you could have those things for his glory and for him yeah that actually makes me think when we talk about those silly questions we could ask God you know what do I wear what do I cook for dinner um he could be telling us what to do in those moments for him and it could be 
you park in this parking spot so that you could encounter another person that you could then be a light to, and then they could eventually come to know Jesus because he placed you in that parking spot. And so it's not always just a silly, simple little question that we're asking him, but um, he's actually placing us somewhere so that as we know God and want to know him more, we are helping others know God and want to know him more. Um, it may be in the place that we park or, you know, the, the color of shirt that we wear. I think, mm-hmm. you know, we can think of it as that, uh, that way too. God can use anything. I remember one day um, he was just teaching me and I was looking in my closet and I said, God, what do you want me to wear? And I pulled out this adoption shirt that had Africa on the back of it. And I said, okay, I'll put this on today. And so um, put it on. And later he had me meet a friend who her and her husband were praying about where he wanted them to go. And one of the options was Africa. And because I had that shirt on, he used that to confirm to them where they were supposed to move. (laughs) And I just think, you know, our life is this grand adventure. It's this grand adventure with God. And we think, you know, he can't work in these small little details, but the truth is God can do whatever he wants Mm -hmm. and he can work in the small details. And he is the God of the impossible. Mm -hmm. And it is a grand adventure with him. And we had that same, very similar experience when we were praying through adopting walked into the gym that morning and was late, stressing out about being late. And a minivan parked the same time I parked. We walk in together. It's early morning, so it's still dark. And when we get inside the gym, we both put our things down. And I look up and her shirt says in huge letters, adopt. (laughs) And I was just, I mean, it was just that it was not the first thing or the fifth thing that was like the 30th thing you know where God was just pointing us in that direction and so I remember saying to her could I please take a picture of your shirt because my husband won't believe me he's gonna think I'm crazy (laughs) and so she let me and so then we set our stuff down and she turns around and on the back of her shirt it said because he adopted us she may or may not have asked the Lord what to wear that day but God certainly used that in my life and I love what you said about it being an adventure and I agree with you Mm. in that. And I think that a lot of women are missing out on the adventure that Mm. God has for us to experience with him. If you don't know what you're missing, it's really hard to want it, right? Mm. So how do I, if I'm I'm gonna, I don't have, I don't know what you're talking about. I wanna have an adventure with God, but I don't know where to start. How do I, how do I do that? What would be your words, your advice? Well, it's really simple. I think sometimes we can overcomplicate things, Mm -hmm. but just really simple right now, just listening to me, you can just say, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to know you. I need, I need to know you and I want you to lead my life and I want to hear your voice, open my ears to hear your voice and lead me. And I want to go on a grand adventure with you. Just ask him, just ask him. So I would love to know more about what does a romance with God look like? I've heard you say it looks like worship in all manner of things. It looks like going on a grand adventure. Tell me more about what this romance with God looks like and how to access it. Well, um, first of all, what is romance? So romance, you know, for us, when we think we think dinner, we think roses, we think chocolates, right? Um, but for God, um, his version of chocolates and romance could be, you know, the trees swaying. It could be the mm-hmm. sun dancing on the water that looks like diamonds. And you're walking by and you're thinking, the God of the universe mm-hmm. knew that I would be walking by this pond And he placed the sun to shine like diamonds on the pond for me and recognizing his just, you know, people talk about like little kisses from heaven, you know, recognizing when he's pursuing your heart. And that's the thing about romance is, is it's, it's personal to that person. You know, for you, it might be, um, you know, him, him reading his word over you. Or for me, I love it when he wakes me up in the morning and he sings over me. He sings over me a new song, and that song is with me for the whole day, Mm. you know. But for you, it could be something else. It could be, you know, a gift. It it could be 
anything, but just recognizing that that's from the Father. And he speaks so much through his creation. Um, I love watching birds in the sky fly by. I love watching the trees. I love thinking, you know, just about him and what he's done for me. And it just brings out this worship out of me. Um, So that's how he romances me. I think in our culture, in the South, we have a, you know, we live in what everyone calls the Bible Belt, and we have this this culture within the church that says that worship is an hour on Sunday, and worship is singing some songs to God. Maybe I'm swaying a little, maybe I'm not. I hear from you that there's more to worship than that. How do we get beyond the, the what culture tells us is acceptable as worship to God? Or normal. Uh, or normal. Mm-hmm. How do you get beyond um, just that cultural idea of what worship looks like? How did you do that? I'm from New Orleans, and okay. I didn't even grow up going to church. Okay. I came to know the Lord um, as an adult. Was that ever um, a struggle for you to yes. kind of fit in with the, the norm when it comes to worship and not get too out of hand, too out of control. (laughs) Tell us more about what that was like for you. Yes, definitely. Um, Well, first off, you know, if you think about what worship is, worship is what we give our hearts to, right? And so we can give our hearts to a lot of different things. We can give our hearts to fashion. We can give our hearts to decorating. We can give our hearts to people. We can give our hearts to men. We can give our, we're really limitless at what we can worship, Mm. right? Mm Mm-hmm. But our hearts were meant to worship him. And so when I just think about, you know, what he's done for me, when I think about um, just how many things he set me free from, it just brings my heart to this place of worship. And worship is it, it's far more passionate. It's far more abandoned than it's not it's not going to church and, and just singing songs. It's about your heart connecting with his heart. Mm -hmm. And we can do that wherever we are. Yes, we do that at church and it's wonderful, but we can do that in our prayer closet. We can do that in our car. We can, we can do that by loving people. And so for me, it was a process. And I think going to smaller gatherings, you know, smaller Bible studies, smaller worship nights where I saw other women who were totally in love with Jesus and they didn't care. Mm. They didn't care what they looked like. They were, they were like Mary at his feet, anointing his feet, worshiping him. And, and I feel like that rubs off on you. I feel like you, when, when you witness somebody truly worshiping the Father, you're going, oh, wow, is that where my heart is? Maybe mm. that's not where my heart is, you know? And then, you, and then it's, it's a little convicting and you're going, okay, you know, I can't just stand here and, and, and fold my arms and, and mm-hmm. you know, I've got to engage with him. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't mean you have to lift your hands. It doesn't mean you have to do anything, but it's where is your heart mm-hmm. and is your heart engaging with him in worship? Because if it is, then that's worship. And a lot of times it's, it's hard to stand with your arms crossed and have a posture like that when you're singing lord look what you've done yes. <laughs> look what you've done in me like you you've set me free it's very hard to me at least from my experience to to have my heart focused there on those things and just stand there like a monologue <laughs> you know yeah. it is it feels like the two things don't go together because when you really think about what the lord has done for you it it does elicit a response and I yes, feel like yeah. that he made our bodies to praise him right yeah. mm-hmm. Kim uh, what I'm hearing you say a lot of it's just kind of a, a theme I feel like that's come through everything that you've said is that it's a lot about the posture of your heart yes the outlook that you have on the things that are happening around you or the opportunities that God is giving you and just turning your heart to see um, what is in front of you. And, and an example would be like you're saying, you see these women around you or other people around you that are worshiping freely to the Lord. They're giving their all. Like You see that and you go, I know they must really love God if they are being able to respond like that in worship. And I think sometimes as women, 
I don't want to speak for everyone, but I know we've probably struggled. Um, some women have probably struggled in a way to look at maybe someone who might be more spiritually mature or more free in their worship or more free in their speech about God. And instead of seeing it as an inspiration to know God more, we sometimes close ourselves off and, you know, put our arms up and, and instead we see it as a challenge or um, a way to think, I'm not like her, mm. so I'm not good enough, mm. um, which is a lot. I feel like you've just kind of t- talked around that this whole time. And um, how how would one change their outlook, their heart posture when they mm. see things like that around them to be inspired rather than be challenged? Yes, there's a verse and I can't quote it, but it's um, that God is not a respecter of persons. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, and this is kind of a theme with with women is that, um, you know, that competition versus um, cheerleading each other on and encouraging each other on, right? And so if you see something or somebody shares something about that story and you go, man, I wish God would do that for me. Mm. You know, it's as simple as that. He's not a respecter of persons. There are no stepdaughters to him. Mm. You're a daughter. You're a daughter and you're a son. And so you can just simply say, Daddy, I want to have that relationship with you. You know, my sister says that that you sing over her. Will you sing over me? Mm. Will you wake me up with your songs? Will you talk to me like you talk to her? It's as simple as that. That's beautiful. Thank you for making it simple because it it is simple. God is right there. Like you said, he's he's likely whispering to us and we're the ones that are closing our ears or our heart to him. Yeah. God's word is important to you mm-hmm. and you spend time in his word. What does that look like in your life as you're experiencing this relationship with him every day? How much are you in his word and what is that? What does that look like in your daily life? Yes. Um, his word is very, very important. And I just feel like that, um, God's showing me that there's a difference between, first of all, we have to know his word, right? Mm -hmm. We have to know his word, what his word says, but there's a difference in knowing his word and believing his word and standing on his word, right? Um, Because I can say, I mean, if you take John 316, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, right? So I know his word. Mm -hmm. Do I believe that? Do I believe it for myself? Do I believe it's true? And do I stand on it? Mm -hmm. So if I'm standing on it, it's, I know Jesus. I know he saved me. I know him, you know, and there's this joy that comes out of standing on his word and knowing what he said about me. I think it comes back to identity, It comes back to who are we finding our identity in? Mm -hmm. You know, do we believe what he says about us? Are we believing what somebody else said about us? Because you know what? What he says about you is he says you are a co-heir with Jesus. Hmm. He says you're righteous. When the Holy Spirit comes, we are the righteousness of God. Do we believe that about ourselves? Do we believe we're completely made new? Do we believe that that? Greater is he who is in me than is he who is in the world. Do we believe that we carry the authority of Christ? Because if we believe, if we believe the Holy Spirit is in us, then these hands are not just our hands. Mm. This mouth is not just my mouth. He gets to talk through me. That's right. Right? Yeah. And, and so it's, you know, who, who do we believe we are? Where are we getting our identity from? Knowing his word. And not just knowing his word, but standing on his word. How many times does he say in his word, fear not, for I am with you. I am with you where in Joshua. I'm with you wherever you go. That means every place I put my foot, he goes with me. He goes with, I'm never alone. I think that's one of the things about women. You know, we don't want to be alone. We take our girlfriends with us to the bathroom, (laughs) right? right? We don't want to be alone. And he says, I go with you everywhere Mm. you go. Even in the middle of the night when I wake up and I just need somebody to talk to, he's there. Mm -hmm. He's there. I can talk to him at any time. But I do think we can miss out on this romance with God. And we can miss out because of our own wounds, 
we can miss out because of the lies of the enemy that we're believing. We have to identify what those lies are. I think that's one of the most beautiful things about his word and about what the Holy Spirit does is he he shines that light and he says, look, this right here that you're believing, this isn't true. And I need you to take that out and replace it mm-hmm. with the word. And, and it could be that you need to read it over and over and over again and say, Jesus, help me make this a reality in my life. Help me replace this lie because I don't want to believe this about myself anymore. I feel like in my recent conversations with women, I'm hearing a lot of that just kind of stuck and unsure how to move forward because of some of the um, emotions or feelings or wounds that the word that you said that's kind of just keeping us stuck, for lack of a better word, and, and almost paralyzed and unable to move forward. And I love one of the solutions you just gave to that is meditating on that scripture and saying it over and over and maybe putting it wherever you go in your day and asking the Lord to help you believe it mm-hmm. and help you to, to live like it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some other ways that that we can get unstuck and, and maybe deal with those wounds, the things that the Holy Spirit illuminates in our life. How do we, yes. what do we do with that? So prayer is powerful. Mm-hmm. Worship is powerful. And um, prayer in particular has been so powerful in my life. And I think we've got to just get over the fact of, you know, asking somebody, say, will you please come alongside of me and pray for me about this? Mm-hmm. And being open and honest with what we're struggling with. Yeah, that's good. And, and let someone else speak scripture over you and pray over you. Um, is so, so powerful. And I just, it it breaks my heart sometimes on Sunday mornings when they do the invitation and nobody comes forward. And I'm going, we all need prayer. Mm -hmm. Every single one of us Mm -hmm. needs prayer at any given moment, you know? And if there was some way that we could just make it less intimidating, Mm -hmm. you know, for people to come forward. I always think about life group or a Bible study group when you are um, talking about prayer requests and, and wanting to make it more, uh, comfortable to talk mm-hmm. about things because even in our life group, you know, we ask for prayer requests. And a lot of times I feel like people think it's like the big things, like, um, I'm going through an illness or I have a family member who's, um, dealing with an illness or, um, you know, we have a financial situation that we're working through. And while those are definitely things to bring, um, to the prayer requests and to bring to the Lord, um, and, you know, depending on your community and what, what kind of group you're in, I think that those prayer requests should look more like I need to change my heart. So I need prayer for God to change this bitterness that I have or this Mm -hmm. um, jealousy that I have or this um, anxiety that I'm dealing with. I need I need the Lord to help me through it because we don't talk about those things. And I understand you only may talk about those things with very special and close people in your life. But we've got to do that to um, bring those things to the Lord for it to actually, um, I mean, God can work however he wants to work. But I think that when we have more than just ourselves praying about it, we have other people knowing about it. Then like you said, prayer is powerful. Mm -hmm. And And you've got to have those people, at least someone that you can say, I don't feel like reading my Bible. Yeah. Like, and that, and, and to be able to have someone process that mm-hmm. through that with you, like, okay, well, God hasn't changed. So what's going on inside of me that is causing me to not want mm-hmm. to read his word and not right. want to be in his word? What is going on inside of me? You got to have somebody that you can be that transparent with. That's, yeah. that's going to give you godly biblical advice. Yeah. Cause if you just tried you. to do it by yourself, that mm-hmm. would be impossible. Mm-hmm. Carrie, you're the resident therapist at the table (laughs) and so you of all people know the soon-to-be therapist uh, you of all people can vouch for how how important is it to process what you're going through with another person be it a therapist or a trusted friend or mentor you know as far as therapy and counseling go having someone who is a third party who is not connected to you to talk to about things can be really helpful um And then as far as just friendships, because obviously your friends couldn't be your counselor because they're too close with you. They don't allow (laughs) for that. But but just having somebody there, like it's just support, like Mm -hmm. something that we uh, emphasize in like mental health world is do you have a support system Mm -hmm. because if you're lacking support and you're isolated Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. Like you can very easily slide down into depression, even if you don't have like major depressive disorder, you can go through a, a situational season of depression if you're isolating yourself and if you're not opening up to people about your struggles. And I love what Virginia was saying about like having people pray with you more than just about like the big things that are like obvious prayer requests or whatever. But like if you have this bitterness that's taking hold of you or like uh, that's just the one that stood out to me, probably because I'm a bitter person. (laughs) (laughs) That's the reason why I said it first. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it is so much harder to um, get that out of you Mm -hmm. if you are doing it on your own without support. And of course there is God, our father who we can run to and, Mm. uh, share that with. And there's, he can completely handle that, you know, but God gives us people in our lives so that we can have community and support. And I mean, for me, I just need the accountability if nothing else, Mm -hmm. um, just to have someone to check in on me and that kind of thing. Like, how are you doing in this area? Because if I know somebody's going to be checking in on me, I'm probably going to do better at it. So, so that kind of came to my mind. Um, But something you mentioned earlier, Kim, was a prayer closet. Do you have a prayer closet? Where do you go to pray? Yes. Um, It's just my regular closet where my clothes, my shoes, my my things are. And but I can go in there and I can close the door. That's the big thing, you know, where you can close the world out and you can just meet with him and have that one on one time. I mean, it can be your car. It can it doesn't it doesn't have to be a special place. It's just a place that you go and meet with him. Mm. Yeah, so it doesn't have to be anything special, it sounds like. Like, you can have piles of clothes and shoes around you. It doesn't have to be like you have this. It might uh, depend on personality. The on the wall and the right. organized uh, like, journals. Like, how many people have a, enough room in their house to have, like, a dedicated prayer space? Maybe yeah. not, but you don't have to have that, it sounds right. like. So, and for me, some of the best um quiet times or however you want to call it that I have had have been like in my bedroom just like either in my recliner or on my knees in front of my recliner Mm -hmm. and it's not a specially designated prayer place it's just a place where I can go and shut the door and be by myself for some reason Carrie what you were just saying made me think of worshiping in different ways um and how we can worship God in many different ways don't ask me how my brain went there, but it did. Because, Kim, you brought up worshiping um, and how worship can be a way to um, change your heart posture and, and step in um, to knowing God more. So worship, to me, fixes our eyes on mm. Jesus. And it takes our eyes off of all the other things that are going on, all the problems, all the situations, all the... Um, I heard one time that if you can stress over something, you know, as women, we can we can do that. <laughs> then that means you also have the ability to meditate on His Word. Mm. It's just we're using it a different way. Yeah. And so worship um, is, is us. I love music. I love putting the music on and, you know, dance in Mm -hmm. my home. I don't dance in front of other people, (laughs) but dance in my home. Um, and just let him speak to me. Um, it could be as simple as just laying on the floor Mm -hmm. and just saying, you know, Papa God, just talk to me today. Mm -hmm. I I just want to hear your voice. You know, I want to shut all this other stuff out and I want to hear your voice. And I just think that's healthy. That's Mm. healthy. There's a, there's a word in the Bible. There's three different words for healing in the Bible. And one of them, um, I'm not going to say it right, but it's therapeuo maybe Mm. or something, but it reminds me of like therapy, Mm -hmm. that word. And one of the translations for it is worship. Hmm. And I just, you know, there's so many things that he does in our hearts when we fix our eyes on him. It's just like food. You know, if, if I'm eating something, I can't tell you how that food is broken down into water and nutrients and carbs. And just, I can't tell you how that, how that does in my body. Right. But I know that when I eat his word and when I worship him, he does things in me that I can't explain. Mm. And it's healing. Yeah. And it's healing to me. Yes. It sounds like worship can be a form of therapy or yes. healing. Um, but in the, in, in the presence of God. Um, yes. So that's, that's really beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. I love yeah. that. Yeah. So I remember when we were talking with Carrie 
Wasilak, and she was on an episode, got to share her story, but you were a part of her story. She calls you her mentor, and that was something that she said that you were just fabulous at, is mentoring her, mentoring other women. Is that something that you're still doing, and, and what does that process look like? How do, you, how do you mentor women? How do you find women to mentor um, I, I just love, I love women. I love people. I love um, seeing people that have chains no longer have chains mm. anymore. I love seeing people uh, set free. And so that's just a passion. That's just something that God has put in me that um, just like my husband loves to help people with finance. I love to help people be free mm-hmm. just in, in all areas of their life. And so, and I think it, it goes back to, you know, wherever the enemy has wounded you, if, if you think about it this way, he wounded you because he's afraid of your authority in that area. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so he's trying to attack you in a way that he knows that's something that you're really good at. And so for me, um, if, if I go back and I think, okay, my parents were divorced when I was two. Um, I had a lot of pain in my life, a lot of searching in my life. My mom worked nights. And so there were times where me and my two older sisters were there by ourselves. And there was just a lot of loneliness, a lot of pain, a lot of trying to fill my heart with other things, food, um, just just lots of other things. Right. Mm. And so it just it. I had a lot of depression. I had a lot of anxiety. I remember as a little girl, I slept with the light on until I got married. That's how just anxiety and scared and just didn't want to be alone I was. And, but God's freed me of all of that. And um, I just had a lot of pain and I didn't know what to do with that pain. And so the only thing I knew to do was just to kind of stuff it down and pretend like it wasn't there and it wasn't happening. Well, that's not healthy, (laughs) but a lot of us do that, right? And so I went to counseling and, you know, did all the things, got on depression medicine, all those things that that were helpful. But um, it wasn't until I really started walking with the Lord and started reading his word and started um, just getting to know him that I was able better able to just handle the pain that I had and was able to give him that pain like for instance I remember um, years ago I had this friend who was adopting and he uh, I think it was India that they adopted their little girl and um, they brought a photographer with them to to journal their their um journey and so they took all these pictures and I can still see the pictures in my head and there's this one picture where the mama the adopted mom is laying next to the little girl and it's beautiful but then behind her is all these other babies on their mats Mm. that don't have anybody they don't have a mama they don't have a daddy they don't have anybody and they're on this mat by themselves and I remember just seeing that picture and just something inside of me just broke. Mm. And I cried for four days, Mm. four days. And everybody that I knew said, Kim, you know what, you probably got a chemical imbalance, there's probably something wrong with you. You know, you're just you're a little too much, you know, just all those those words Mm. that people are trying to help you, but they, they really don't know. And that's the thing is, we have to take our heart to God. We can't take our heart to all these other people, right, who mean well. Mm. And so after that, I got on depression medicine because I agreed. I said, you know what? I'm probably it's probably too much. I'm probably just too emotional. I probably just feel things too deeply. Right. Mm. But it wasn't until I started processing my feelings with God that he started uh, showing me. No, Kim, you felt my heart. My heart weeps for those babies and you're feeling what I'm feeling. And that's the thing is when we connect with the heart of the father, we can start feeling what he's feeling. And if somebody walks into the room and you start feeling depressed and anxious and sometimes it's not you, sometimes it's that other person and God's showing you, I want you to go love on that person. Mm -hmm. I want you to go pray for that person. I want you to be a friend to that person because I know what that feels like. I know what that feels like to just feel totally alone. Mm And so I just don't want anybody to go through that. So the place that you're wounded can really be a place of ministry. Mm-hmm. Do you have a certain process that you walk through in mentoring or is it more just walking with them, doing life together? What does that look like for you? 
just walking with people, just doing life together. People just want to be seen. They want to be loved on. They want to be um, just how you would want to be treated, mm-hmm. you know, just going to lunch with people. And I just I just ask God, I say, God, is this somebody that, that you want me to come alongside with and, and mentor? And sometimes it's official, you know, it's an official, okay, we're going to meet once a week right. and do a Bible study together. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just, no, I just want you to go check on that person. Mm-hmm. I just want you to be their friend. I just want you to love on them, you know, and he'll put somebody's name in my head and said, you know, just text this person, just make sure, you know, love on them. I mean, it can just be so simple. It doesn't have to be a, we're going to do this Bible study twice a week. And it can be, Mm -hmm. it can be. But for a lot of times, it's just, it's just listening to his voice and, and doing what he says. I love how you said, just doing it more organically. Like you're just checking on this person, Mm -hmm. sending them a message, giving them a call, asking them out for lunch. And if we all would remember that God can work in so many different ways, we can be used by him if we just allow ourselves to listen to that voice when someone is brought to mind, like, hey, you know, so-and-so, uh, it came to mind today. Well, why don't I do something about it? Let me text that person. Mm-hmm. Let me call that person. Let me check on them. That is a sense of um you know, coming alongside someone that doesn't have to be an official Bible study. Um, so if we can just remember that God works in many different ways, it does, we can do it in a Bible study format. We can do it in the format of just loving on one another. Um, so I'm so glad you said that because I just think that we sometimes get so caught up in this idea that we have to be, you know, we have to have read the Bible all the way through 72 times and we have to know what we're talking about. You know, we have to be well qualified and equipped and then we have to go purchase a Bible study when sometimes it's just, no, like do what Jesus did and go love, mm-hmm. go love on these people, go love on that person. Be um, intentional. Just be intentional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't, and, and don't be your own barrier. Don't be your own mm-hmm. obstacle of, well, I'm not good enough or I haven't talked to this person in a long time or, you know, um, I don't have time. I need to take care of this before I talk to this person. You know, it's just saying yes, just doing it to what God um, is calling you to do to come alongside others and easier said than done for sure. Mm -hmm. But um, I love that message that you gave because there are many different ways we can mentor people and come alongside them without it being um, overwhelming or complicated. Yes. So there's a verse in the Bible that I love that is there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 1. And then there's another verse, and I can't quote it, but it says that he wrote his word on our heart. Mm. He wrote it on our heart. That takes all the pressure away (laughs) of having, now I do study my Bible and I love to study my Bible, but there are times where I'm meeting with somebody and the Holy Spirit will just put the verse on my, on my, on my mind. And I'm able to say what he wants me to say, because I believe it's, I I know his word, but I'm also standing on it Mm -hmm. that he has written his word on my heart. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Cause so I don't have to perform. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, you God, if you are if you are taking the time to spend um, precious moments with the Lord in His Word, yes, Scripture memory is one thing that can be helpful in that. But um, as you know and stand on His Word, He can bring those Scriptures mm-hmm. to mind as you're following what He's called you to do by loving on others. And it doesn't have to be verbatim as long as it's, it's what mm-hmm. God is saying in the Bible. Then you can be a light to another person. So I love that. Yeah. Your, your own personal walk with God can mm-hmm. um, come out and just day-to-day conversations with people. One thing I've noticed is that my prayer life has changed a little bit and there's, there's no wrong way to pray. But one thing I've noticed is instead of asking God, you know, God, would you just be with me? God, would you guard me? God, would you protect me? There's nothing wrong with praying mm-hmm. that instead I'm, I'm praying from a, from a place of faith and saying, God, thank you that you're always with me. Yes. Thank you that you always <laughs> protect me. Mm-hmm. Thank you that you always go with my kids. Mm-hmm. Thank you that every place mm-hmm. my foot steps, you are there with me. Thank you that you put the words in my mouth. One of my favorite prayers is just help me, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Just help me, Jesus. Sometimes that's all I can get out. And that's, that's right. okay. That's yeah. right. What was something that you wanted to share today that we didn't ask you about? I guess one thing would just be, you know, I just want to invite anybody that's listening that um, maybe you've been hurt by church or hurt by, you know, a person or just you just you have pain. And I just want to invite you just to offer your heart 
to Jesus again, your whole heart, because he he's really the only one who can consistently and deeply do what you need on a consistent basis. He, he's just really the only one that is worthy of our just full heart's devotion and just ability to meet all of our needs. So I just want to encourage you that, you know, whether you've, you've, you've taken a step with Jesus, just t- keep taking the steps, mm. just keep taking the steps with him and just keep opening up your heart to him. Don't shut down and stop there. Kim, you have been an absolute blessing to hear from today. The Lord has definitely gifted us and our listeners with you um, being here today. What is something new that you're loving? Something that I'm learning is just to slow down and take a bubble bath Mm. and, you know, take a minute to watch the trees especially with fall right now, the, the leaves are falling off the trees. Mm. It's okay. You have permission <laughs> to stop yeah. and watch the trees. You have permission to take a bubble bath. Mm. You have permission to relax. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that's, I'm just learning that, you know, just see striving, just see striving and know that I am God. That's yeah. really speaking to me right now. I would call that a command to be still and know. That he is God and also to rest. Yes. Uh, he does command us to rest. So I think that is definitely a message we need to remember. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share with us today. Like Virginia said, you've been a gift mm. and I just appreciate you sharing the, the things that God, the Holy Spirit has revealed to you and sharing those with our listeners. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the 517 Life Podcast. We hope you leave this conversation feeling overwhelmed by God's love for you and excited to connect with Him throughout your day. Our view of God has great impact on how we live our lives for Him, and our view of God is shaped by our time spent with Him every day. If you're struggling to know how to spend time with God every day, we've got some great resources for you in our show notes today. This podcast is dedicated to helping you live out your new life in Christ. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram, or you can email us at podcast at Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a minute of life.